This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest podcast. What a busy week it was for the Rays. So much has happened this week. You had the St. Pete City Council giving the Rays the chance to look at stadium sites in Pinellas and Hillsborough counties only. Uh, you had a new ticket plan that the Rays have introduced. The Rays MVP has a new contract. So much to touch on, including the winter development program. I also want to congratulate not only a good friend, but a vital member of the broadcast team, Andy Freed, this week named the Florida Sportscaster of the Year by the National Sports Writers and Sportscasters Association. We're going to have Andy on, on a future show to talk about that, but certainly right now we start with what was the news of the week for the Rays, and that was St. Pete City Council voting on a memorandum of understanding, which allowed the Rays now to be able to look at potential stadium sites in Pinellas and Hillsborough counties only. And after the vote, I had a chance to speak with the principal owner of the Rays, Stuart Sternberg, about what that decision meant to him. It's been a long time coming for us, a lot of work in the organization. Uh, and basically it means uh, we get to start to look around, explore the region, and see where the pitch-perfect place is uh, for our home for decades to come. Put in context, actually, or elaborate what's next. Well, that's, uh, that's what we've been waiting on all this time, is that we can now go out and canvas businesses, uh, canvas potential ticket holders as well to see what kind of support they would give us depending on where the stadium happens to be, how excited they are to have the stadium 12 inches from where we currently are or 12 miles from where we currently are and everywhere in between. Um, it, it really, what, what it is, what kind of stadium they would like, is it better to have an open-air kind of stadium, something with a retractable roof, some kind of like a situation we have right here. So all of these questions to explore the issues on, uh, on transit, how people can get in and out of a stadium and what's important to them as well, and a whole host of items like that. With the approval, there's a lot to be done, but I know you want to keep the focus on 2016 and the team on the field. What do you want to make sure the message is regarding the 2016 season? Well, that's right. In a, in a large respect, this has been something that's been hanging over the organization we've been trying to get done. And, and it does take away, year by year, it does take away some of the focus of the organization. Now that we've got this part of it out of the way, there is a lot of work that can be done and needs to be done about exploring for a new, uh, new spot. But clearly, everything that we do is always geared towards what's going to happen on the field and what kind of organization, the Rays organization, we can build for going forward. And I know you're excited about the 16 season based on what's been done and some initiatives that are coming. Yes. Well, we had a, uh, I think it was a very, very successful season last year. We had a first-year manager, first-year general manager, you know, head of baseball operations. We won one more game, I think, or two more than the year before. And clearly without, uh, you know, you never like to say injuries, blame injuries, they're part of the game, and they are. But we had an extraordinary amount of injuries. And I think, in, you know, if not, if we had some good fortune, we would have been in it right to the end. And obviously what happened today is good for Tampa Bay. What does it mean? for Tampa Bay and the future of baseball? We, we're on a, uh, it's generational. 
we have got a generation of fans who are, have now started to grow up on the Rays. When we came in in 2006, the team had the worst record in baseball our first two years. But obviously, beginning the 2008 season, we started with a whole bunch of new fans. People discovered the Rays on television, at the ballpark, on the radio, um, and through all the outlets, you know, through the Internet and everything else. And these, these kids who started are starting to grow up. Many of the people who were in their late teens or 20s, 30s, 40s, 60s, 80s, whatever, had been fans of other teams, had been around even before there were the Devil Rays. Uh, so now we are starting to get a generational kind of growth for fans who had never experienced baseball other than Rays baseball. And this will ensure that these people have the opportunity and their kids eventually when they come to be and take their kids to a park, that it's their team and has been their team since they were youngsters. That's Rays principal owner Stuart Sternberg on the big news this week for the Rays, and that was the fact that the Rays are allowed to look at potential stadium sites in Pinellas and Hillsborough counties only. Now, another piece of news this week was the fact that the Rays have introduced a new ticket plan, and joining us to chat about that is Brian Richardson. He's the vice president of ticket sales and marketing for the Rays. Brian, thanks very much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Neil. He is a loyal listener to our podcast, and now he is on the podcast. And we're talking about what's called the Big 22 plan uh, for the Rays this year. It's just unveiled. Tell us a little bit about it and the genesis of it. What we wanted to do is really make the big games bigger, and we took a look at our schedule this year. We have a fantastic set, a schedule with the seasons uh, kicking off on April 3rd, and uh, we picked out, you know, we, we some games started really jumping out at us as really popular, and we wanted to make sure to package those all together and offer them to fans, and even in preferred seating. And so, uh, you know, right now we're allowing fans to purchase tickets for all 22 of these games, become an official season ticket holder, and, uh, you know, come on board right now with the best 22 games of uh, 2016. Certainly, uh, 22 is an important number for the Rays because it ties into one of their marquee players and Chris Archer, who's also helping marketing the plan. Absolutely. Chris Archer uh, loves the program. He uh, is involved with that Chris Archer emoji t-shirt, which is available for people uh, that buy this package for a limited time. And, uh, you know, you can go on RaysBaseball.com and uh, call us, please, at 888-BAN-RAYS in order to uh, get more information or speak to a rep about different options. But Chris Archer definitely was a big part of this. And, you know, once uh, we settled on, on looking at 22, and it's really the magic of baseball that kind of popped out that Chris Archer, you know, is number 22. It's something that he takes pride in is the, the relationship that he has with fans, you know, being so popular on, on social media. And so he is a, a big part in our marketing campaign and he, he really stepped up for us. And one would think that he does start on opening day. And again, you mentioned that's a, a ticket on this plan, uh, which is unique this year because it's going to be on Sunday, a rare time that the Rays are playing on the true opening day for Major League Baseball. Yeah, Major League Baseball got together and said, let's have a big celebration uh, for baseball across the country. And they chose April 3rd, and we jumped at the chance to be able to play that. And we're at 410, which is the prime time on that Sunday. So it's going to be a national celebration 410 game sold out the last 10 games here at Tropicana Field on opening day. So you got to figure this is going to be extremely popular. We want to make sure that people can get on board. Uh, I would recommend definitely not waiting for the chance to be able to buy during a single game on sale. Your best way to secure tickets to these games is to uh, become a season ticket holder. Uh, and right now the big 22 game plan is a, is a great option for you. 
And certainly one would expect their games against the Yankees and the Red Sox on this plan included, but you also have some opponents that the Rays rarely face. No, Neil, and that's a great point. And when you look at our interleague schedule, you have the Dodgers and the Giants coming, which is, is very rare. It's rare for uh, the Dodgers. They haven't been here for, for several years, and the Giants, last time they were heroes, on a very popular weekend series, and they're on the weekend as well. And so we anticipate those two to definitely pop out, as well as the classic series against the Yankees, Red Sox, Angels, Detroit Tigers, you know, and, and the classic matchups that we have. Certainly, there's some big players with Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera coming through, players that, you know, our fans are going to watch and see them play against the Rays. You know, you mentioned that they can go to the website, but you also mentioned it's important that they call, which I would imagine also helps answer any questions people have about the plan and be able to really find out a lot more. Yeah, it's definitely important that we're able to, to describe the preferred seating. We could actually set up exclusive appointments uh, down here at Tropicana Field for people to come down. These are private appointments where uh, people can come down and uh, you know check out the options that they have here in person. And the seats start at just $25 right there in preferred seating. And so um, definitely call us at 888-BAN-RAYS or visit us at RaysBaseball.com, and we would love to talk to you. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Neil. And we certainly appreciate the time of the Rays Vice President of Ticket Sales and Marketing, Brian Richardson, to talk about the new Big 22 plan. And certainly there are big things for the Rays going on the field. And that is the fact that Logan Forsyth, an MVP from a season ago, has been signed to a long-term deal, two years plus an option for a third, and the president of baseball operations for the Rays. Matt Silverman joins us now. Matt, first of all, congratulations on getting the deal done with Logan. Thanks. Uh, It was a relatively... A uh, relatively pain-free process. It was good constructive dialogue and conversations uh, with Logan's agent. Both sides seemed focused on this structure and trying to get something done. And we found common ground and locked into a deal that I think makes sense for both with, for both the Rays and for Logan. When did you as an organization and the Rays as an organization want to get something like this done? And how quickly did it get done? And we, we look at uh, our players, where they are in their development, uh, the type of, of, of person they are, and try to figure out potential candidates for a, a long-term contract. And as Logan demonstrated on the field and off the field last year, he, he qualified as someone uh, we could make that investment in who was going to play just as hard, if not harder, uh, with that contract. It wasn't going to take away from his motivation. And someone who's focused on on the team and on winning and getting us back to the playoffs. Um, he, he made himself into what he is. Uh, he's a gritty player. He's got some power. He plays the field the way you want him to, and he goes about his business the way you want him to. So uh, a good candidate for us. Uh, it made a lot of sense, and you know, with his contract, we have the ability to keep him even longer than we would have before, and that's always a luxury for us. There were certainly, over the years, players where you extend and you wonder if they're going to get comfortable. There are other players when you extend them and you think maybe they're going to even perform better. Chris Archer certainly fits into that category. Does Logan, because of the way he goes out and works, you know, I listened to his conference call, and he mentioned how important this security and stability meant. Is it possible that he could now perform better because of the fact that he has that comfort level? I I think so. Uh, I think with Logan, uh, the understanding of his financial position, his place on the team, the security of his job, all those things can contribute to him having an even more successful season than he had last year. Um, I think he has the right disposition to be under a guaranteed contract. It's not going to affect the way he plays. Um, and like you said, it may actually turn out to be a, a positive towards uh, the, the outcomes that we can expect from him. But uh, we don't want him putting any more pressure on himself. He already does that. I mean, he has high expectations for himself. Uh, he can go out there, 
play the game of baseball, play it right, help us win ball games, forget about some of the things that start to creep in your mind when it comes to arbitration. Just go help us win ball games and get us back to the postseason. Speaking of arbitration, Logan was one of 10 players who you had the potential of an arbitration case with. That's the most in the majors. You end up with just one uh, situation where you're going to have a hearing. That's Drew Smiley. Give your take on going through a process um, with this many players and the fact that you had the one hearing. It it took a a lot of coordination on our side just to make sure we had – the dialogue, had the conversations that you need to be able to work through some of these cases and figure out what that common ground might be and reach a settlement before the the exchange date. Um, and we did that. And we had those conversations. And, and with Drew, it wasn't for lack of, of conversation. It was just a disagreement on some of the comps that you use in the arbitration process. And that's why we have hearings. That's why we have arbitrators to settle those disagreements. And uh, whatever the outcome, it's going to be a, a great year for Drew. He's going to make a lot of money, and he's going to be a great pitcher for us, and hopefully he's pitching in the postseason for us, um, and it'll lead to even more earnings for him in the future. This is the first time in three years you're actually going to have to go to a hearing. The Rays have not lost uh, a hearing in their history. Do you think that plays at all into the whole arbitration process, or is it any sort of benefit? Uh, The fact that we haven't lost a case? I I don't think it plays into it. Uh, I I think I'd focus more on the fact that we haven't had that many cases. I think we're 8-0 in our career as a franchise. That's not many cases. It shows that we don't use the hearing room uh, very often. It's not something that uh, we like to do. We certainly would like to avoid it. But on the occasion where there's an honest disagreement, that's what it's there for, and, and that's why we're comfortable with, um, with the process, and, uh, and we'll see where it takes us. Well, congratulations on getting nine players with the, the deal done without having to go hearing, and especially Logan, and thanks for a few minutes. All right, thanks. Talk to you soon. That's Rays President of Baseball Operations, Matt Silverman. Now, this week was not only about arbitration cases, uh, but it also was about some race prospects. In fact, the Winter Development Program went on this week, and among the 20 players who attended was were several that were drafted this past year, and among them, sixth rounder and a pitcher, uh, a very intelligent individual in Benton Moss. Big surprise, you know, and um, I felt like my first you know, sort of half season went really well, and I felt like I learned a lot um, just transitioning from college to, to pro ball, and um, it's a different game, it's faster, uh, you know, the transition between wood bats and metal bats is a big one. Um, you know, so I felt like I learned a lot, and I'm still, I feel like I'm kind of coming down that learning curve a little bit and um, you know to be here and kind of be in these facilities and, and get to know all the you know the head honchos it's, it's good to you know just get some face time with everybody it's a good opportunity. What was the biggest thing you learned in your experience? Uh, last season um, you know I picked up a change up which was big time for me I, I didn't really have one during college I kind of relied on fastball curveball developed a cutter later in my in my college career so my senior year um, but never had like a sort of a just a normal plain vanilla changeup, and I think they, they forced me to do that, um, you know, and, and just to go right out there, you know, in competition play and, and throw it. Um, and what I found is that as I threw it more and more, I got more confident in it, and, and so that was a big sort of step forward for me. Um, that and just you know working on command, you know, continuously improving improving command, really really you know helped me as a pitcher. From a baseball standpoint, do you have an idea as to what you hope to accomplish this year and? What's the biggest thing you're looking forward to in terms of pitching in full season ball? Because it's obviously a much longer year, yeah. uh, a little more challenging in terms of the physical and mental demands. You know, um, last year was probably the longest year I've ever had just from the standpoint of, you know, I threw in, in college um, in the fall and the spring and then again in the summer. So I was probably close to 180 innings. So, 
knock on wood, I'm hoping to stay healthy, but I've definitely had a long season before. Um, but for me, you know, it's being consistent. Like I hope my stuff in terms of fastball and velocity and command and everything stays consistent. You know, and so I'm really trying to work hard and on my body, on my rest, on my recovery, on my workouts, just to, to keep it consistent. Um, you know, and, and, and not only that, but just continuing to improve my command. Um, I think it's going to be big for me. You came out of a, a tremendous program at UNC, which has a history of success with guys going to professional baseball. So from that, you know, you, you had a lot of demands as a student athlete. How different is it now from the aspect of you can focus entirely now on the game? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I think, I think um, the majority of the reason why I had, you know, um, some success last season was because I didn't have like the demands of a student as well as an athlete. Um, I was able to just sort of pour everything into to baseball and you know I didn't have to pull all-nighters for homework. I didn't maybe all-nighters for bus trips but we still got to sleep when we got there. Um, you know but I got to actually focus on one thing instead of spreading focus among you know a couple different things and, and I think that helped tremendously. So but you're also a pretty well-rounded individual. Yeah I mean I spend my you know I like to read I like to you know have downtime away from the field, you know, but, but when it comes, you know, time to, to perform, it's good to have your focus on one thing. And I think that helped me a lot. Is there anything that made you into a pitcher or inspired you to want to pitch? Uh, I always loved Mariano Rivera, even though he only had one pitch. Um, but for me, when I was, I remember when I was probably four or five, I just liked having the ball in my hand, you know, starting, kind of starting the, the process or the play. That's Benton Moss, a former sixth-round pick of the Rays from this past season and one of the players who was in the winter development program. Now, there were some in the program who were there for the first time, and some, like Zach Law, had been there before. Zach came off a tremendous season with short season Princeton, where he's the MVP of the team and also was a pitch away from winning a championship. And we got to catch up about what that season was like for Zach. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, baseball's fun to me, so... We had a great team, you know, push for a championship. Obviously, we, we fell short, but I, I feel like we had a pretty good team chemistry, and that kind of helped us push towards a championship. So, That was really your first full season. I mean, you played in the Gulf Coast League right after you were drafted. What did you learn about yourself in that first full season of professional baseball? Um, coming out of high school, it's a lot different. Uh, you're playing against a lot better, uh, lot better competition and uh, – people and, and I've, I kind of figured out my game more in the Gulf Coast League and then kind of transferred that to Princeton next year and uh, I think uh, it helped me a lot. I'm glad I got to experience this. So. What is your game? Tell me what your game is because I've heard a lot of things but I haven't seen you in person. Um, I would say I'm just a guy that try to gets on, gets on base and you know try to take some bases not really a power guy. Uh, um, I try to track down some balls in the outfield, just try to use my speed as a, an advantage. That's outfielder Zach Law, certainly a talented individual, and we'll see where he ends up in the race system this year. Now another player to touch on who was at the winter development program this week is one who wasn't expected to be there. He's coming back from injury. That's catcher Nick Shufo, and he told me how he got hurt. Well, I was just playing a normal game in Australia. I was I was feeling really good actually with the bat and everything, and took a foul ball off the hand, off the right index finger, and it just had a small hairline fracture in it. Um, but I saw Dr. Carlin the first day I was here. He we X-rayed it. He looked at it, kind of played around with it, messed with it, and uh, cleared me. Said everything was good, everything healed good. So uh, you know I'm happy about that. And 
now I'm just going to head down to Port Charlotte on my own. I don't even have to go down there as far as like a rehab purpose, but I'm going to head down there on my own and uh, work with Joe Binge and, and Joel and all the guys down there and, and get it ready for the 2016 season. I can't believe it's 2016. It feels like 2013 was just yesterday. Which was when you were drafted. Right. Now, from your timeline standpoint, will you be full board, no issues, once spring training starts for the minor leaguers? That's, that's what I expect. Um, I talked to Joe today, and he says it might be just like a five-day thing of getting the, the flexibility back, because that's really all it is, is the range of motion is, is kind of tight just because it's been straight for a month and a half or whatever it's been. So it's just getting that range of motion back into it. You mentioned you heard it while in Australia. First, what did it mean to get to go to Australia and be one of the four raised minor leaguers who got the invite to play there? Well, it's, it's an honor to go over there because you look at the guys that have been there. Um, Rickard, who was Rule 5, Goodell, who was the number one overall pick in the Rule 5, O'Connor, who played in the Futures game as one of our top prospects. I mean, they're, uh, they're sending guys over there they really care about, in my opinion, and, and it, was, it was a great experience to get more at-bats and uh, you know see another part of the world. Um, the baseball part was really fun. The guys over there took us in from day one like we were brothers and uh, we really just played to win. That's Rays catcher Nick Shufo, who again was playing in Australia, had a terrific time, one of four players in the Rays system now who got to play this offseason in Australia, and we'll see how it helps him in the 2016 season. Now, a player who wasn't on the field in Australia, nor was he on the field the entire 2015 season, was infielder Jake Hager. He's back coming off knee surgery and was thrilled to be part of the Rays' winter development program. Especially since, you know, not being healthy for the past year, it's good to get back and show them that I'm healthy and you know, ready to play again for this 2016 season. What was last year like for you? And walk us through the decision to have surgery that led you to miss all of 2015. You know, going through spring training, um, was dealing with the issue, and I, I wanted to go out there and try to play, you know, see if I can manage it. But that first spring training game I played, um, it just did not feel right, and I just didn't want to go through that pain I went through in 2014. And it was, it was an easy decision. Talk to my parents, talk to my agent, and, you know, let's get it done. Let's get it done rehab all year and come back even stronger for 2016. You mentioned you were in pain in 2014, but kind of gutted it out, played yes. over 110 games. Mm -hmm. What was the issue with the knee, and what did they find when they went in there? Well, the issue during the 2014 season, we didn't really find anything. Um, it was kind of just like tendonitis, dealing with that pain, and I had to go through the grind every single day, going into the training room at 12.30 and doing whatever I can to get ready for a 7 o'clock game. And, but then for... When I finally, after the season, figured out what it was, my patella tendon was the perfect example of the patella tendon was Swiss cheese, is what they said. It was holes throughout it and stuff like that. So what they had to do was go in and fix it and, and do a patella debridement, and it all worked out. It feels great. How tough was the rehab for you, physically oh, and mentally? It was, it was very tough. Um, going th being in Port Charlotte all year long, it's, it was like Groundhog Day every single day. You know? But I kept my same routine, which was great. Um, and you have to stay positive through everything. You have to go show up to, to, to rehab every single day and get your work in and know that by the end of the day, you're getting better. And, you know, I did that every single day, and, and I'm here now, and I feel great, and I, it was all worth it. What did you learn about yourself going through that process? Oh, man. Just um, I became better mentally, no doubt, and I, it shows how much stronger I am and mentally and just being able to um, get through the grind and stay positive throughout the whole process and 
because of that, it got me where I wanted to be. In terms of the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder, yeah. how does that apply to Jake Hager? Oh man, it, it definitely, it's a true statement because I miss the game so much. Being out 20 for the whole season, um, I every single day I just wish I was out there playing with my teammates, you know, and trying to, you know, compete and, you know, make the big leagues and all that stuff. And now being back here, I mean, I've had the itch, I've had the itch since having surgery, and now the itch is just getting even bigger, and I just can't wait to be out there. That's Jake Hager, a 2011 draft pick, who certainly is still well thought of by the organization, and he's one of eight guys that we sat down with one-on-one -on -one in the Winter Development Program. Several of those interviews will be seen in their entirety uh, this coming week and future weeks at raisebaseball.com slash prospect spotlight. Again, guys will feature on our prospect spotlight program on racebaseball.com. Certainly appreciate all the guests on the program. Lots of news to touch on. Again, next week, Andy Freed will be among our guests. We'll have much, much more. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.